Show me the man, and I'll show you the crime. Donald Trump facing charges with some of the weakest that has ever been seen in modern American history. And Biden's pathetic economy drives America's enemies closer together. All that and much, much more here at The Politically Tolerant. My name's Cooper Brown. I'm Zachary Groper. Uh, if you enjoy our content, please be willing to like and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. Zach, let's get into the first story. I'm sure you've heard this all over the news because this was... This has been the talk of the town lately. Um, the case against Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been charged on Tuesday with 34 federal counts connecting him to his role in paying hush money to a porn star. So before we get to analysis of this, I just want to say this really funny thing, which I thought uh, about Trump's indictment. This is what someone said, like a comic strip writer named Scott Adams said about Trump's indictment. He said, you can't really make up this irony. The irony is that the charges are trumped up and it's about donald trump and not only that but the man who's charging trump alvin bragg is bragging about how he charged donald trump you can't really make up the irony at all i thought that har, was har, har. right a, a little humor to this awful story <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah so Let's if, you, if you're not aware we this is something we discussed a little bit um you know a couple weeks ago but the, the news is basically broken about what the number of cases that have been come up. And we now see that it's, it's the remarkable number of 34, which if you've read, you know, read any of the, the case briefings, it's basically the exact same crime, just duplicated over and over and over again. And they're attempting to get Trump for over 130 years worth of prison time. Now, obviously, I don't think he's going to get that prison time. This is just them throwing as many cases as possible and hoping that they can get them on at least one thing. Um, but I don't know. Give me your thoughts basically of this, this current news now that we, we have a little bit more on the story. I mean, well, I just want to mention the counts specifically, uh, the fel felony counts mm -hmm. that Trump's uh, charged with. 34 counts of falsifying business records, which is the general focus of it, but 11 counts are involved with checks he wrote to uh, – Michael Cohen, which is the lawyer, his lawyer, 11 center on his monthly invoices to the uh, lawyer, and 12 invoices include the general ledger for his uh, trust fund. But, you know, as we know, Alvin Bragg and the Manhattan DA, what they're really just trying to do is charge him with that one uh, particular case with uh, hush money for Stormy Daniels. But as you said, it's all, all of his centers around these 34 cases, but they're all pretty much the same thing, really, right? But also, I mean, what we mentioned before, I mean, we mentioned this before, a couple episodes before, with what would um, exonerate Donald Trump is the Michael Cohen letter. I really exonerated him because he had really no idea from these funds of actually taking place. And that's one thing. And the idea of the statute of limitations, which is the idea that it's been years since this, since he should have been charged, which was 2016. But now it's, we're already in 2023 and he hasn't been charged yet, right? And as we know from a misdemeanor, it's only two years. You have to charge someone with two years and a felony within four years before it actually can hold. But so I don't really think it's going to stick. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on because you, you knew a little more about the federal crime? And that, that's yes. Yeah. So, so the reason why this case is so weak is because they're taking legal theory and just stretching it or untested legal theory and just stretching it to what 
whatever they can do to constitute this particular crime. So exactly what you said, there's statutes in place where you can't, you know, uh, prosecute somebody for a crime after a certain, certain amount of time has been passed, but they're reaching so far trying to, to make this considered to be a, um, a federal felony, which isn't based on the time limit, just so that, uh, there's any legal standing to prosecute Trump on. But the thing is, there's so much distance between that the crime, you could say, technically not, I mean, giving a, an individual hush money is actually not a crime. But from taking that instance and then building upon it and building upon it and building upon it until you can reach a level of crime that they can actually get Trump in, that's what is making this uh, so thinly, uh, an extremely thinly veiled argument. So much so that we're seeing really prominent Democrats saying, yeah, I don't know if I see anything with this one. I mean, you said something really interesting earlier we were talking about. You said because it's campaign financing, they could charge it as a federal crime, which is no st- – when, when there's no statute of limitations. I mean, how, how does that work precisely? Like, yeah, so when it's a federal um, – when it's like a state felony, then I believe there's a four-year time that you're able to uh, you know, indict somebody. But if it's a federal felony, then there is no particular time limit. And so if you can get somebody to uh, – if you can make the argument that something was considered a federal um, felony, then now that it's been you know, six years, seven years since the crime, now you can still get them on that same case. But again, that's extremely difficult to do. Um, but this just plays exactly into Trump's hand where his main message at this point is that they are all after me, that for the last, you know, seven years at this point, they've done whatever they've can to attack me. And this is just another instance of them just doing the same thing over and over and over again, um, just to make Trump look as bad as possible. Or in, in my particular opinion, it's to kind of drum him up in popularity right before the uh, the republic the republican um, primaries to hopefully give him the nomination. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, given the fact that after his indictment, three days he got eight million dollars in campaign donations, mm-hmm. so it makes sense why they they would want to drum up such a reaction. But I mean, there's a video pointing out Trump. Maybe you want to put through. Yeah. yeah. So there's a great. So Trump immediately after, um, I believe this was on t- Tuesday when he had. Um, was gone before court he immediately basically went after and uh held a little rally gave you know a pretty decent speech but he did a a a a pretty good job of explaining exactly how much he's been targeted over the last several years and i never thought anything like this could happen in america never thought it could happen the only crime that i have committed is to fearlessly defend our nation from those who seek to destroy it From the beginning, the Democrats spied on my campaign. Remember that? They attacked me with an onslaught of fraudulent investigations. Russia, Russia, Russia. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Impeachment hoax number one. Impeachment hoax number two. The illegal and unconstitutional raid on Mar-a-Lago right here. Yeah, so if you're able to hear that, then you, you, 
you kind of remember that over the past several years that there's just been case after case after case, you know, the Russia collusion stories over and over and over again. The the most recent, you know, the the raids on Mar-a-Lago, very unprecedented cases. And and this isn't probably an instance of the biggest precedent being broken. Now saying that, you know, we're going to take a a former president, we're going to do whatever we can to indict them. And I, you know, I jokingly said kind of at the beginning of this, um, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. But that's a that's a true, a very true quote where, you know, anybody in, in any society ever is probably breaking some sort of law. And if the state is determined enough to get you, they're going to find something, to, some way to get you. I mean, he really shows from like, what, two minutes that there is a certain amount of evidence that they're trying to target him somehow. Right. And just to do that, it just shows, I mean, I could see how this has implications, let's say, in the primary, they think they could start, uh, stir up support for Donald Trump and to get him nominated. I mean, I, I heard Democrats talking about this is what they want to do because they think because of the independent voters we were mentioning earlier that they think they'll support uh, Joe Biden if he was against Donald Trump and not Ron DeSantis, which arguably you could consider as an option for the fact. But the, I mean, the fact remains that this is a purely uh, personal attack on Republicans as a whole. Now, it's not only about that. I mean, if you could silence your political competitor, I mean, this just being a Republican at this point, but it could have been a Democrat, it could have been anyone, but since it's specifically tar- targeting Donald Trump, a previous president, that definitely has some ramifications in terms of uh, what could stir up in the future. Yeah, because you think yeah. now you got to have mutual destruction, right? So Republicans have to be able to respond with, listen, you're going to start indicting our guys, we're going to start indicting your guys. Um, and I'm of the belief, I know you seem to be a little, a little different opinion on this, but I, I know Donald Trump, you know, in, in polls, he doesn't do particularly well against independents. He gets a, about 20%, which, um, I think that's about, that's about what he got in, in 2020. Um, and I, that's why I think that the more often that this coverage is, um, there's more coverage of Donald Trump in, in this this news cycle. Um, it's going to bo- boost up his favoritism amongst Republicans, um, but it's not going to do well against any other you know individual voter bloc. Um, and the interesting thing about this particular case is that Donald Trump is not scheduled to be in front of that same court until November of this year. So at the end of this year is the next time we'll basically see some escalation of this case so that means this case isn't going to be over with until we're deep into 2024 and by that point we're going to have gone through the republican primaries and this this news being constantly drummed up by the media every time it comes back into motion it's just going to bring up support um in the polls for donald trump which is what we've been seeing in the last week we've seen that in several polls he has overtaken desantis um based on this kind of rallying around him uh, because Republicans are feeling that he's being, you know, they justly are feeling that he's being targeted unfairly. I see your point in that, but I mean, hear me out on this opinion, okay? Mm -hmm. I understand why now the people who are already voting, the voting turnout now from 2016 and 2020 would already vote, have their mindset of of who they want to vote for because of globalization of Trump and what that led to. But I I have a, a theory about this, okay? How about since Trump is not really a, I mean, he's not really a true Republican, right? I mean, he was a Democrat right before he was a Republican. So before he, well, 
eh, give or take what, like uh, how many years? And we should we should look that up. But he's a populist candidate, so I don't. I mean, yes, he's he's on the Republican platform, but he's a populist candidate, and that means he appeals to kind of an unsung majority of group of people of working class people who would want to support him. And he, what he can re, re, even rally behind this one uh, issue that involves his indictment could really even I argue could help him in the general election, although this is obviously hypothetical, as hasn't happened in, before because the voter candidates were low, but since he has that appeal and he has that aggravio, so you could say, it can help him out, I would argue, in the general election. But you're, but uh, what, what's your point on, because you, you had an argument before, we talked about how Joe Biden, it matters more that Joe Biden's perceived negatively, because let's say, let's say, I mean, just want to give one example before you, where you talk about it but because of the hunter biden laptop story i think trump could have arguably won the 2020 election if that story took place beforehand right so, and even yeah. donald trump mentions that in this in his speech that um that if the that story had been reported there were some polls that said that there would be an 18 point swing based on the knowledge of that news and then that you know done in certain locations would have had a major impact on the election um but the the thing about elections is that they're never voted for the candidate that you like it's always the candidate that you dislike the least right and so the mind of many americans is already that i dislike donald trump there people are just sick and tired of the fact that the news is always relevant about them the whether they believe it or not they're they've been they've been trumped out i guess you could say right Joe Biden is very, because he's senile and he's an old man, he's very easy to vote for because he's perceived as being very non-threatening. And so it's much easier to vote for someone that you think will do nothing versus the maniac, right? So if you think that Joe Biden is going to be a very, a nothing kind of a president, which he's not, he's actually been the most radical president of since... Jimmy Carter, maybe not even actually he's been the worst president since Jimmy Carter, but been the most radical president in terms of, you know, transgender ideology and all that stuff since ever. Um, but because he's perceived as being non-threatening, then it's very easy to vote for him, even though you might say that, uh, you know, people are going to say, like, well, look at the economy, look at gas prices, look at inflation. P Americans are just or people in general are just really quick to. To forget, you know, the fact that we've already forgotten or it's not, you know, constant headline news about Joe Biden's pull of Afghanistan. The fact that that's not being talked about constantly, that we that it's that we he didn't let American lives get lost that day. We didn't leave billions of dollars of technology just proves that, you know, our attention span is so short that we were willing to forget a lot of those transgressions that have happened in the past. And so it's always a referendum on the the individual and so if, if the news media is about donald trump then it's going to be um favored all the negative attention is going to be on donald trump if it was possible the media is obviously not going to do it if that the referendum was on joe biden and showing all of joe biden's faults then joe biden would lose but that's obviously not going to be the case because the media are all in bed with the democratic party anyways I mean, I could definitely see what you mean. Whatever the new cycle is the next day, people are going to be like, they forget because it's going to just constantly this repetitive crap that they're spewing at the public. And they're just going to keep regurgitating without forgetting what happened. Oh, Biden, this Biden funded $75 million and 
in Ukraine, and no, no one's talking about that. Or he pulled out of Afghanistan, he did this, or he had this equity bill that whatever. Everyone forgets about that and just remembers, oh, what's more relevant? Oh, Trump's indictment, right? Right. I mean, I think that leads up to our uh, our next topic. It kind of shows mm -hmm. Joe Biden's really weakness in terms of what's not getting talked about because it's getting overshadowed by uh, Trump's indictment. But I think this is actually arguably more important in terms of America's future. And the article, it says, it says, top Iranian uh, Saudi envoys meet in China in restoration of diplomatic ties. So this just happened today. If you could scroll down, Cooper, as well. But this just happened today, and it's it's been happening fewer. This uh, Chinese uh, deal brokering between Saudi Arabia and Iran, but and this is what it says in the article. So it says Saudi Arabia and Iran, the Gulf's dominant Sunni Muslim and Shiite Muslim powers, Sunni being Saudi Arabia, Shiite being Iran, two different sects of Islam, had said in a joint statement that they would launch arrangements to reopen embassies and consulates within the two-month period stipulated in the deal. Now, this is a huge deal comparably to get the influence out of the United States and two BRICS being the people who want to counter United States influence in the world. Mm -hmm. That BRICS being uh, Brazil, Russia, uh, China, Iran, South Africa, and now Saudi Arabia. But the reason why this is important is because in terms of the power in the Middle East, and has it always been for the past 20 years, it's been this power between Saudi Arabia and Iran using other countries and wars as proxies. Proxies being, proxies meaning that they use other countries and they supply countries with military or with financial aid and stuff and to help them aid wars with each other. And now that China brokered a deal to help restore peace, not only that opening uh, embassies, which have uh, been closed since 2016, gives the power away from the United States and their power of influence. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so this is just another example of, because uh, we've seen recently now that many Middle Eastern countries are now being able to, are, they're fostering deals with China now about oil, uh, you know, attempting to give themselves um, or pull themselves away from being constantly dependent on the U.S. currency. And that is that one in particular is a really big issue because that is the only thing that is keeping the United States from completely crashing after we've had trillions of dollars dumped into the economy is the fact that the, the U.S. dollar is so stable because other countries are are kind of at this point kind of forced to utilize it. Um, but if we see other countries starting to, um, you know, pull away from this, you know, kind of that standard norm, um, which is kind of artificially propping up the United States, then you're going to really start seeing some collapses in the United States. Um, but this is exactly what was occurring during uh, the Carter administration, too. And it took a Jimmy Carter for us to get a Ronald Reagan after that. So uh, this is reversible. And I guarantee you that as soon as a powerful leader is in charge that is pro-America, that is, you know, willing to, um, you know, not just dump the American economy down the toilet, that these countries will, uh, you know, relieve their ties from China because they know that the United States is the biggest, is the best bet on the block. Um, but until we show that, until we actually start implementing things that are in favor of with our, our allies and stop leaving them in the dust, then China is going to, you know, slowly try and pick these pieces up. And 
we saw them, you know, in, being in negotiations with Russia. That is not their place to be doing that. That should be the United States getting involved and saying, like, listen, Ukraine and Russia, it's time to get to the negotiation table. Um, yeah. it's, this should not be the communist regime of China that uh, has internment camps and and spies on their people and has every bit of technology that they've ever implemented has been stolen from another person. This should not be the country that is that is gaining the amount of influence that they're perceiving that they have at this point. Yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, firstly, you could argue the oil influence, the, the fact that they don't have to depend on the U.S. dollar and they could go towards uh, China is the fact that our oil supply will be limited because we can't sanction them for certain things. So they don't need to uh, depend on us as a consumer for oil. They could go to China or Iran or any or Russia for that matter. Mm-hmm. So that's one point in the, the aspect that we can't rely on our own oil fracking. That's a different issue. But the fact you, you also remain, you could talk about how the leadership style between Trump and Biden. And how Trump actually made deal made and had stability and actually was able to stop these events from taking place and to stop uh, conflicts from taking place, whether that be Saudi Arabia and Iran or Ukraine and Russia. I mean, that's one aspect. But also what's really important is the fact that uh, the, how weak the Biden administration is and how it allowed for the, this to actually take place. Not only that, is that we're prioritizing funding of Ukraine and pouring millions of dollars to counter Russia, even though that's not going to help us in the long run. That's just going to funnel stuff that this ever long war that will not even ever go anywhere. Besides the fact that we actually have stuff to deal with now. I mean, look, our adversaries in Iran had made a deal with China, well, two adversaries. And not only that, we're not even talking about the fact that, I mean, you could pull up the video right now, Cooper. Iran has attacked the United States. This is not even getting talked about either. Iran has attacked the United States 83 times, and we only countered four times. So that also is extremely important to allow, and that we allow China to negotiate, it shows our weakness, and it shows the weakness of Biden to actually get anything done in terms of his policies. Yeah, do you want to explain this this clip right now? Because it's the, it's the Secretary okay, yeah. of Defense getting questioned by... Um, yeah. If you want to explain uh, that yeah. really quick. So, yeah, yeah. So Tom Cotton, of, he's a senator, and he's of the Armed Forces Committee, which is centers around our uh, allocation of military funds and where we should go to conflict in terms of in the Senate. And he's talking to our Department of Defense, uh, Lloyd Austin, part of the Biden administration, and they're really kind of talking about um, what what should be uh, what what is the main importance in that region, and why the fact is that we uh why iran attacked us 83 times they haven't killed any americans but they've been uh they injured quite a few americans in terms of these attacks mm-hmm. why we only retaliated four times and a lot of times it wasn't even towards iran it was to like their proxies so people that support iran in iraq and syria so why haven't we countered that so i mean that's really important to mention and wh- why this is not even getting mentioned in the news and why biden biden's not really doing anything about it how many attacks has Iran or its proxies launched against American positions in Iran and Syria uh, since Joe Biden took office? It's been uh, about 83 attacks, I think, uh, since uh, in, the, in the last several years. That's a lot of attacks over two years. How many times have we retaliated against Iran or its proxies? We've, we've launched four major strikes, Senator. But now, an attack can consist of a number of things. It can consist of, uh, you know, 
a rocket that's fired in the direction of one of our bases, I, but not effective? Mi uh, Mr. Secretary, I'm well aware of what an attack could, could entail. So we're so 79 and four is Iran's record right now. And, and our four attacks have not been against Iran, right? They've been against Iran's proxies in Iraq or Syria or elsewhere. Is that well, correct? Well, this last attack was against uh, IRGC Quds Force uh, infrastructure and... Uh, okay. Um, and after we retaliated, Iran attacked us again, injuring another American, didn't it? They did. And have we retaliated for that attack on Friday? We have not yet, Senator. So what kind of signal do we think this sends to Iran when they can attack us 83 times since Joe Biden has become president and we only respond four? Maybe it's because they know that, until th that we will not retaliate until they kill an American, which emboldens them to keep launching these attacks, which kill Americans. Yeah, I don't know how yeah, many times we can talk about and just say that the how incompetent the Biden administration is. And this is something that, again, I was very much unaware until you brought this up to me um, just the other day uh, that, you know, this in terms of foreign policy, I know we talk a lot about the kind of the cultural issues that um, that Joe Biden has been implementing, and those are extremely important uh, and some of those are downright evil, but the foreign implications of these things being so weak and America just completely falling short of any of its obligations, any of its, you know, threat to its enemies just has a way bigger impact because now it's affecting every other country. Um, you know, and in an instance like this where American lives are being threatened, uh, Joe Biden doesn't have the spine to, you know, do anything in, in retaliation of that for... What reason? I don't know. I mean, even uh, even Barack Obama was willing to, to send a few drones attacks, you know, just a couple. But uh, I mean, apparently Joe though, Biden's. Yeah. I mean, even though Obama's attack killed civilians, too, man, who cares? despite the point in the war crimes. Well, I mean, we talk about Trump's indictment, even though the war crimes of Hillary and Obama. But, you know, irrelevant, oh. irrelevant. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, great fighting. point. Exactly. So I think this is just. It's amazing how this has already only been two years and how we have a whole nother two years to go. Like if this was the end of Joe Biden's term as president, we would have been like, oh man, dude, that was been a crazy four years. Like, can you imagine all those, like, remember all that stuff that went down, but we're only halfway through. And so I think Republicans need to remember the fact that if we don't play smart here in the situation, we can get another four years because I'm fairly positive Joe Biden's going to be the, the Democrat nominee going in because they literally have nobody else that's going to be, they have no pool to pull from. So you will be the, the sole individual. Um, and But if we don't play the cards properly and if we just believe that because Joe Biden has done such a bad job now that there's no way he can win, that's absolutely not true there's absolutely ways that he can win and if we play by the the democrats hands then he will have a much better chance of winning i mean even if biden's dead they're going to try to push biden some way like i don't know what that movie is put in the comment section if you know it there's a certain movie where like they have like someone who's dead and they try to uh walk around with him and pretend he's alive so i feel like that's what they're going to try to do with Biden. i mean he's practically dead now so you know they've been they've been pulling that card forever just whenever he's in the basement they pull him off they you know, stick an, I, an IV in his veins, pump him full of drugs, and then get him out there. 
promise him ice cream, whatever they can do to to get him through a ten minute speech. Um, as long as he gets his chocolate chocolate chip ice cream, you know he's, oh, yeah. he's good. That chocolate it. chocolate chip ice cream, man. There's nothing better. Well, yeah, Zach, it's it's great talking to you, buddy. Uh, I always enjoy um, getting to spend some time, and I hope our viewers really enjoy, uh, you know, listening from us and and getting uh, giving us an opportunity to express our our beliefs and our opinions. Yeah, it's all it's great talking to you, Cooper. I mean, we really love doing this, and we really enjoy your support, subscribing to us, and just just you know provide comments of us, like us, do whatever, subscribe to us. Just keep doing that so we can get more and more support so we can continue doing this in the long run. So yeah, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. And yeah, it's great talking to you, Cooper. And it's been, it's been a great time. Good, great podcast. Have a great rest of your day, buddy. Good day, dude.